specifically today, we get to speak with Fred Gadelli, who is really a legend in sports broadcasting. In fact, was recently admitted into its Hall of Fame and for three decades has been involved with the biggest football game of the week. Most of you know it as Sunday Night Football, along with an incredible crew there. Fred, thanks for taking the time. Very excited to chat with you today. Kai, uh, I always love talking about caddying, so I'm psyched to be here. Well, you know, you and I got to find this very serendipitously, right, through our dear friend Al Michaels. Right. And it's just always interesting when you're playing golf with someone, and you, oftentimes you can tell, but, you know, hearing that you had caddied and it was something that was uh, pretty unique and transformative, that's really what we're aspiring to achieve here. And, and fortunately, we've partnered with uh, some of the great youth organizations like the Evan Scholars Foundation and working with anybody at Sankety Head. We met just trying to make sure that uh, even if you're not affiliated with one of those, young kids can learn about what caddying is, uh, how it can really affect their lives and the trajectory of their careers. And so, right. you know, hearing from people like you, hearing your tales, what it was like for you when you were in a like position, it really makes all the difference. Oh, happy to share here. Appreciate it. So we'll just kind of dive right in. Um, you know, how old were you when you first started caddying and at which course? So I was 12 years old. Uh, the first loop I ever made uh, was at a, a club in Harrison, New York, which was my hometown. Uh, it was called Willow Ridge Country Club. It was a Jewish country club. I think I caddied there once. And then um, my aunt's uh, husband uh, set me up at this club in Mamaronick, New York, which was the next town over. It was called uh, Hampshire. And that was primarily where I was based out of. But I would do Wingfoot. I would do Westchester Country Club. I'd kind of, you know, make a little bit of a circuit depending on what was going on. And I did it from the time I was 12 until three months after I graduated college. And I still say to this day, the best job I ever had. So how did you get the idea? How were you compelled? Was it a friend? Was it a parent? I mean, how did you even get turned on to this concept? Well, my dad was a caddy when he was growing up and I was 12 and he said, hey, it's time for you to start making your own money. He said, you should try to be a caddy. And I loved all sports and I loved golf and I, I was playing golf. So I knew a little bit about golf, not a lot. So I said, well, how do I do that? He goes, you show up, you sit down, you tell the caddy master you want to be a caddy. Uh, they'll teach you. And, you know, you just got to be there like 630 a.m. every day. And you may not get out for a couple of weeks, but you have to show the caddy master that you're reliable and you're serious. And so that's what I did. Can you elaborate on that first day or some of those, the, even that first week we hear it's pretty intimidating for some people. They just sit and kind of rot in the yard. Or what was your experience like as you got well, introduced to it? You know, as you know, a caddy yard is filled with all kinds of people, uh, you know, old, young and in between people transitioning out of jobs, people who this is their full time jobs. A lot of students, you know, just making money for the summer, whether you're in high school or going back to school. So, yeah, it was definitely like the first couple of times, even though I knew golf, I just wasn't sure about everything. And as you know, uh, you're dealing with different personalities all the time. So yeah. I tried to uh, be seen and not heard unless I was being spoken to. Uh, but I did know a lot about sports and I knew a little bit about golf. So as I got more comfortable and if I was comfortable with the person I was caddying for, you know, I'd feel that I could, you know, suggest a club or tell him how this putt was going to break or where he wanted to land this ball on the green. So that came with time. But in the beginning, you know, you're definitely nervous and you just don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to lose a ball. You don't want to lose a club. 
And, you know, so it's all those things that are racking through your mind. <laughs> I don't know if there's a worse feeling in the world than when you get somebody putting on the wrong side of the hole, you know? You do your best. <laughs> Even the pros misread it, right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Can you actually expand on maybe any mistakes that come out? We tend to learn from them, and, and it's a 12 is a pretty young age. So do you recall any, you know, being on the wrong side of the hole or misclubbing somebody or anything like that that stood out? You know, I remember standing in the wrong spot, right? So if when someone's going to hit a shot, you don't want to be, be right behind them. You don't want to be in their peripheral vision. You know, you put the bag down, they grab the club, you take like 10 steps parallel back, and this way he can't see you. And uh, when I first started doing it, I would tend to get behind the golfer so that he or she could see me in the periphery of, her, of their eye. And if they hit a bad shot, they would blame it on me. So that was a mistake, you know, that I made early on. Um but the one thing, the one common mistake I saw were people that would just over talk, you know, and it's always good to know what you don't know. And at that point, I didn't know a lot. So unless I was going to be asked the question, uh, I wasn't going to volunteer that early on. <laughs> yeah. Two ears, one mouth. Use them accordingly, yeah. right? Yes, co correct. <laughs> how does it how is it that you were able to bounce between clubs so easily? Were you following certain players with yards just open? Because, you know, where you were catting is a pretty unique destination, but. Yeah. So the, the club I was, the, my primary club was kind of a small club uh, and that's where I did the bulk of my work. But um, sometimes the members would say, Hey, I'm playing in a tournament at Westchester. Why don't you come caddy for me? Or uh, the caddy master from Westchester will call and say, Hey, I need like 20 caddies this week. We're having a bunch of tournaments, you know, same thing at Wingfoot. So, you know, that community, you know, that caddy master community is a, is a pretty tight knit community. So, and I lived in Harrison, so I would go to Westchester where they paid better than the club I was at and Wingfoot, you know, which paid better than the club I was at, but I had rank, you know, at the, at, at Hampshire Country Club. So uh, I primarily worked at it there, but I mean, I, I caddied all those courses a great deal. Were there some fun tournaments? Did you get to get involved well, with that yeah. type of stuff at all? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I caddied for two U.S. Open winners. Uh, so in Harrison, New York, was the Westchester Classic, which was on the PGA Tour forever up until yeah. probably the last 10 years. And on Monday, they would play a pro-am at Hampshire where not all the pros, but a lot of the pros would come. So my first year at caddying in it, I'm probably 14 or 15 years old, and I get Art Wall, who I believe won the U.S. Open in 1961. Um, he was an older gentleman at that point, and uh, at that point, I was I was, you know, an expert in the course. I was an expert in the greens. So I was clubbing him and reading his putts, and he shot a 61 that day. Uh, he won the tournament going away. Uh, it was one of the great putting exhibitions I think I've ever seen. He was making everything that day, and he wasn't missing any greens in regulation. So he, I think he made nine birdies uh, that day and, and no bogeys. Uh, so that was fun. And then the next year, I caddied for Orville Moody, uh, obviously, I think he was a two-time U.S. Open winner, and uh, Orville uh, was a gregarious guy, one of the nicest professionals I ever caddied for. He was just—I think he was there to have fun. I think he shot like seventy-three. He was like one or two over. He wasn't really—he wasn't really caring too much. He was just kind of getting his game ready for Thursday at Westchester. Um, so, I mean, it was great to caddy for them. I caddied for a professional named Rex Caldwell, uh, another good guy. And then there'd always be a lot of pro athletes because Westchester County, a lot of the, uh, whether it be the Rangers, especially the right. Knicks, uh, you know, there always be a lot of athletes. So 
Um, I remember one time it was about six o'clock at night. I had done 36 holes and I was leaving and the caddy master says, Hey, uh, there's one more person who wants to go out. And I'm like, yeah, I I'm pretty tired. I, I, I don't think so. And he's like, uh, you're going to regret this if you say no. And I'm like, who is it? He goes, you're going to have to trust me. He goes, just trust me. I said, okay. So I go over the, I, I, you know, I go over to this bag. There's no name on the bag. I walk over to the first tee and there's Willie Mays standing there with a the driver by himself. So it was me and Willie Mays for 18 holes, you know, at like 6.15 at night, uh, you know, just like a dream come true. Uh, and he was very nice, hit the ball a mile, as you would expect. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I caddied for a bunch of the Rangers. It was, it was just, it was just a great time. Right, right. Well, the Maras have been up in Westchester and, and uh, there forever. So, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, Wellington Marrick, uh, John Marrett, they live yeah. on the course. You know, right. they live right off the course. I never had the pleasure of caddying for Wellington, uh, but a lot of the giants like Fran Tarkenton I caddied for. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, you know, being in Westchester where there's so many great courses and, you know, I mean, you had the Westchester Classic. The U.S. Open would be at Wingfoot. I probably was there three or four times, you know, in, in my lifetime. And I caddied in the Pro-Am at the U.S. Open, um, you know, leading into uh, not the Pro-Am, but there was like a like a, not a qualifier, but a little tournament heading into the U.S. Open that year. And then I ended up being like a uh, a ball finder, uh, you know, for the Open. So, you know, just some of the greatest experiences a, a kid could have uh, happened, you know, for me when I was caddying. That's unbelievable. Willie Mays is unbelievable. Yeah. I, 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 I did nine holes. What's that? And I almost turned it down. I, I I literally almost did the exact same thing, wound up nine holes with Vince Scully, just one-on-one -on -one back night at Bel Air. Yeah. And I'll admit, I, you know, I didn't grow up in, in L.A. I was in Arizona. I didn't know who he was until he spoke. And I was like, oh, right. man, that's the voice of the Dodgers. And we had an awesome time together. He's an absolute gem of a human being. Um. So even a little bit more expanding on that, like what, are, what were some of the great joys of it? Was it meeting these people? Was it making money? Was it learning? Was it being around the game, getting to play some courses? What, what did you most enjoy about caddying? You know, there was so many things to, to love about it. First of all, it was a job where you were outside and you could be home by noon if you just wanted to go 18 holes. You know, you get there at 6 a.m., you'd be out at 7. You could be home at noon if you wanted to be. Generally, you know, I would try to make two loops, especially on the weekends. Uh, so I'd be home by four. So, you know, get up at six, be home at four, take a nap. You're ready to go. So that that part of it was appealing to me. Uh, I love golf. Uh, so just, you know, when you got to caddy for really good players, you know, watching their approach, watching their swing. Uh, some of the guys would be, you know, really nice and give you advice about it. Uh, I love that. Uh, obviously, there comes playing privileges uh, when you're a caddy. So, whether it was Westchester or Winkfoot or Hampshire, you know, you would get to play those courses. And obviously you knew those courses like the back of your hand. Um, and the money part was great because obviously, you know, you weren't paying taxes on it. Right. So, yeah. it was <laughs> uh, you know, back when I was doing it, it was like uh, $20 for a double. So my mom would take 15, you know, put it in the bank for me and yeah. I would get five and, you know, go out that night with five bucks. So uh, it was, um, you know, there really wasn't a negative for me. Um, you know, th th you know, it may, maybe if it was a, you know, cold day or a rainy day and somebody didn't want to quit, you know, 
yeah, that was bad, but that was so infrequent. It really never factored in, but, um, no, I mean, it, it was all enjoyable to me. All of it was enjoyable to me, Kai. Yeah. Was it, how were the bags? Were they heavy? Were they oh, uncomfortable? So, that, that's, the, that's the only thing. Okay. So people don't, you know, especially <laughs> younger people. So back in the day, Burton was the number one bag maker and their bags were the almost, almost like tour bags are now leather with these big leather straps that would eat into your shoulders and you would finish a loop and you know you'd go into the bathroom and you take your shirt off and you'd have these two like huge red marks you'd have a red mark on each shoulder so then you would figure out okay i need to get a towel and just put the towel like perfectly and then put the burton bag on top of the towel and like the first two loops of the year you know were like pain i mean like afterward you were in pain so the bags were much heavier there there weren't the stand bags that we all use today um and uh, i don't know about you but i'm sure it's the same way like when I have a caddy, I try to go out of my way to make his job easy. I, I take clubs with me. I, I'll rake my own trap. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want this guy to be running around with his head cut off because you know people would do that to you. You know, when you were a caddy. But yeah, yeah. those bags. I mean, bags have come a long way since when I was a caddy. Yeah, thank God for that Sun Mountain Sports Hyperlite, right? I and mean, that's, that's yeah, really, absolutely. That's, that's absolutely. Everybody. Those were nowhere to be found back then. If we did a net promoter score on Burton golf bags, I mean, it is vehemently hated. No one, if they ever try to resurrect that thing, they, those things better weigh zero pounds. They might as well weigh clouds. And even Ben Hogan's bags were huge. Like, you know, Hogan's bags were huge. They were leather. They were really heavy. Uh, but they had a different kind of strap uh, that made it uh, a little bit more uh, weight distribution friendly. But still, when the round was over, your shoulders were almost raw. Right. Yeah, and you mentioned having people run around with their head cut off, and that's that's where if you've caddied, you have a lot of empathy for just understanding how you need to stay ahead, the positioning. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I mean, even if people's everyone's really cool, if especially if you got two up, two down, you got people in a cart, you're taking yeah. it's uh, yeah. and it's your, you know maybe it's your your second eighteen, you haven't eaten yet, it's right. it's just yeah. pretty gnarly and and it's grueling. It is. I mean. Yeah, you I know mean, those because once you get to, I'm sure you you know you experienced that once you get seniority as a caddy, you get the whole foursome. So you get two bags, you get two guys on a cart, you have their putters, you're raking their traps, you're reading their putts, their putts, their putts, and his putts. And uh, yeah, it's an active day. You know, you have to watch every ball, find every ball. Uh, but you know, it was uh, you know it, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Can you elaborate on just some of the people? I mean, you are a sports fanatic you always knew that you were going to go into sports true passion in, in right. your life um you know was this on your radar was caddying kind of a means and a, a developmental stage for you to, to learn from certain people where, even if they were doctors lawyers or whomever did were there some people who really impacted you as you're caddying you know um i didn't go into it with that in mind but if you have any types of any type of you know observational skills you start to notice you know, uh, certain things about people. And um, the the guys, the, the people that really were nice and considerate um, uh, and whether they were good or not, uh, you kind of saw like, hey, you know what? Hey, they're out here playing a game. Yeah, they're playing for money. Yes, they're competitive people, um, but they're able to kind of keep their, you know, they're, they keep, they're able to keep all this in perspective. This is a, you know, this is a treat. You know, we're lucky. We're out here playing golf all the time. 
so that that kind of that kind of made an impression on me. And then the really good golfers, you know, how I remember I caddied for um, he was a young guy. He was like 21 or 22, but he was on the University of Florida golf team. You know, and this guy would hit a one iron. I mean, he was a little guy, but he would sting this one iron. You know, back in the days of a lot of balls, not the balls we're playing with today. You know, he'd be right. hitting this, this one iron like 260, you know, which today that would be like 320. You know, I mean, it was a big deal. And, you know, he was, you know, he wasn't that much older than me. Uh, so I could ask him questions. We could have a good time. And, you know, just the detail that he knew about the golf swing and really about all facets of the game, you know, uh, really made an impression that, hey, if you're going to be really good at something, you're going to have to know almost every single thing about it. And you should want to know every single thing about it because that's how you're going to get better and, you know, hopefully get on top. Um you know, I caddied for judges. I caddied for lawyers, doctors, um, you know, businessmen, obviously professional athletes. The pro athletes were always the treat because you always, you know, you got to ask them questions about the games or you got to ask them questions about their competitors and things of that nature. And, you know, hockey players, you know, that swing carries over, you know. I mean, that slap shot and a golf shot, there's not a whole lot of difference there. And, those guys could really hit the ball far, um, yeah. really hit it far. Putting wasn't their forte, but they had great swings. They could make any shot. They could hit any shot. So, you know, um, I'm trying to – I don't know that I ever caddied for uh, – you know, I've played with – you know, after caddying now, I've played with a lot of, you know, people, you know, sure. uh, who are successful. I've played a lot with Bel Air, you know, Skip Bronson, obviously a very successful business person. Yeah. Uh, so you pick those kinds of things up. But even like Al, I don't know anybody that enjoys the game more than Al. And whether he's having a you know a good day or a bad day, it doesn't really affect him. He's just happy to be out there playing golf all the time. And I think there's a great lesson in that. Yeah, I think you're right. And it I talk about this with Al actually. It, I love talking to people who are, you know, not just Hall of Famers or but, but that passion and becoming the best in the world of what you do because it requires an incredible amount of dedication and subsequently a lot of failure, right? Yeah. Whether you're a chef or you're a broadcaster, you're a TV producer, right. or an athlete, it's a lot of failure and how you manage that failure and keep getting better. You know, that's also why my friends, I have kind of a psychotic laugh when I hit a bad golf shot because I told myself a long time ago, I'm not going to get mad at this game. Yeah. You know, unless I'm paid to play it, I'm not going to get mad at it. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, and that's the healthy attitude. I mean, that's the healthy attitude to have. Yeah. Yeah. We're all fortunate to be there. If you had to kind of distill it down to one thing, and maybe it is that, but what are some of these lessons when you're, you're imagine you're a, you know, 17 year old thinking about going down the road and trying to caddy and it's intimidating and things like that. But what would be a, a lesson that you pulled out of this that you said, Hey, I'm, you know, as I graduated from college and I just started working and hitting the ground running or just shaped your life as a, you know, as a father or everything. I mean, I, I would say it's, you know, really how to communicate with people. Because when you're a caddy, you're getting all different kinds of people all the time. And some days they might be, you know, ecstatic. Some days they might be in a bad mood. Uh, and sometimes you have to tell them something that they don't want to hear. You know, like, hey, I, I, I think this putt's going right to left. Uh, no, sir. Uh, you need to put this six inches outside the left. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Are you really sure? I'm sure. You know, and then, you know, so... Or you have to say, he goes, I'm going to hit an eight iron. Mm, how about the seven iron? Really? You think I need a seven iron? 
uh, you know, get a little wind in your face and, uh, hey, that ball's out of bounds. Oh, no, I saw it. It didn't go out of bounds. Yes, sir, that ball's out of bounds. <laughs> that ball's out of bounds. So, you know, you have to give people, you know, bad news uh, or tell them something they don't really want to hear. And, you know, if you're going to be successful in any venture that you go into, you're going to have to tell your boss at some point something he doesn't want to hear, or you're going to have to say, you know, I really don't agree. Here's why I don't agree. And there's a little bit of an art to that where you're not insulting them, uh, but you're, hey, you know, you're paying me, yes, to carry your bags, but for my expertise here as well. So, you know, try and listen to me. You're not saying that to them, but that that's really the gist of what you're doing there. So, you know, that really helped me. Um because I'd been doing that, you know, not from 12 years old, but maybe from 14 years old, you know, once I knew what I was doing and had an expertise on the courses, you know, I, I was doing that. So um, like even, you know, that round with Art Wall, like he was relying on me, you know, he's relying on a 14 year old kid. This guy's won the U.S. Open, you know, to do all these things. So I'd say that, you know, may have had, you know, the biggest influence. And also, you know, there are a lot of people who really think really highly of themselves. And you kind of see how ugly that plays out, you know, over the course of 18 holes. And I think there's a humility that you learn, maybe not from other people who are humble, but the opposite people. And it's like, you know what? That's not how I want to, that's not how I want to be perceived. That's not how I want to act. Um, and like I said, that's why when I have a caddy, I try to make his job as easy as I can. I, I just don't want him to feel like I'm, you know, there's no superiority here. You're doing your job. I'm lucky enough to be playing. And uh, I appreciate the fact that you're going to help me today. And I need all the help I can get. So <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I can do to make your job. So I'd say those were the two things, Kai, that really weighed on me. Uh, Fred, that's incredibly insightful. And you, you've you been managing personalities in different <laughs> ways for an awful long time, right? It really yes. started when you were 12. Yeah. Actually, absolutely. a quick side question then would be, what was the first job after caddying? So my first job after caddying, you're going to laugh, uh, was the mailroom at ESPN. So I caddied for, from the time I was 12 till I graduated college. And even I graduated in May. So I was caddying into August. And then my first day at ESPN was August 24th, 1982. Uh, and that, you know, so like August 20th was probably the last loop I ever made as a caddy. Uh, and then I went to ESPN. Uh, they were about two years old at that point. And um, you know, they offered me a job in the mailroom for 9,000. My father thought I was out of my mind. Like we just want, you just want the college. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I just need to get it. I just need to get in the door. I'll be fine. You know, but yeah, that was my first job after my only job after caddy. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're not going to take too much of your time. The last question is just, if you know of any other stories or came across some people having a beer, the caddy like skip or, we know Al didn't. Uh, we know he was, you know, running his own daily racing form and things like that at a young age, not caddying. But is, is there anybody who we should go chat with and, you know, whose story would be similarly impactful? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to have to I know you sent that to me and I had thought about it and I couldn't think of. I mean, uh, no one that I caddied with uh, that I that I remember, you know, has risen. I'm sure that, that they, they all might be successful in their own ways, but has risen to any. Uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, prominence. But um, if I think of that, I will make sure that I get that name to you, Kai, so you can interview nope. them. No problem. No problem. No, it's 
this has been Fred a true pleasure and you know I got to hear some of this stuff but even just hearing the the specifics and the details and like having known you a little bit uh, and, and spent some time with you on the golf course there's just no question that uh, this left an indelible mark and so as it did on, on me and so many others so it, it's just really cool to hear the story and thanks for taking yeah I mean I recommend it you know I have I have a daughter who's now 18 but when she was 14 and unfortunately where we live there's not a lot of clubs with caddies yeah. uh, and I was like hey th this would be the greatest job you ever had and but there wasn't really any opportunities within a 15 mile area from where we live so you know whereas I could ride my bike to these courses uh, she could not <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's tough I, I grew up in Phoenix Arizona there weren't right. courses where you could go and caddy right it was only when I was in college that the the opportunity to present itself so yeah. it's a, it's a special craft and, and I don't think it's going anywhere especially at kind of the great courses out there and uh, there's also some really great initiatives to engage youth and even transporting kids from hey tougher neighborhoods inner cities and teaching them about catting just because it, it can be so transformative you know especially like you know in in Florida uh, and even in New York occasionally uh, you find a lot of caddies from like Jamaica or, you know, the, uh, BVA or places like that who come over here, kind of learn the skill and, and get really, really good at it. Um, and, you know, some people, Kai, they make their life out of it, you know, and uh, I understand why they do it. You know, I mean, it's you're not going to get rich, 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 but you're not going to have some of the other problems that you, you and I probably deal with. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true well fred i will let you let you go i know you're busy and you got things going on i want you to focus on your rehab as soon as you're back out here in la i would love to see you and and uh, now that things are opening up traveling again i'll i'll definitely come and see you i can't wait man and anytime you're on the east coast please call me we'll play some good courses all right sounds good we'll be in all touch right. all right all right take, take care, care man thanks all again right. man all right thank you see you bye-bye